Hi, my name is Mariangela. I'm from Italy but based in Germany. And this episode is brought to you by MPW Membership. Did you know that all MPW members get access to monthly group catch-up calls with the rest of the MPW community? This is the perfect resource to help keep you focused on your goals and to give you support through your music production journey, no matter what stage you're at. This is a free feature for all MPW members. Take advantage of this awesome feature and so many more using the link musicproductionforwomen.com Slash membership. Uh, what am I saying? <laughs> This is MPW. 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 The podcast with your host, Zyla Aria. Cool. A podcast about music, music production for the everyday musician, where we learn from experienced studio engineers and each other. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this episode of the MPW podcast. I'm your host, Zylo Aria, and today we are welcoming our guest, Pete Johns. So Pete is an artist, a producer, a mixer, a YouTuber, and also runs an incredible platform called Studio Live Today. So you just do it all Pete, don't you? <laughs> I, I try to. What is it? It's a, a jack of all trades, master of none. Hello, great to great to be here, Zyla. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, lovely. Yeah, great to have you with us today. And you're in Adelaide, so not too far from my time zone. It's it's quite early for you, seven thirty ish. I like the early mornings. <laughs> yeah, you're a morning person, aren't you? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Which is great. It's yeah. And yeah, you run a, a, a really kind of a useful YouTube channel called Studio Live Today, which people can find under Pete John's as well. And and we did a chat on that as well. How long have you been running that for now? So we're coming up to five years for Studio Live Today, which has flown by. But yeah, it's it's, it's really cool. I, I started it basically because I was learning to learning to record and getting back into it after a bit of a lapse of time from the music world. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, I thought, if I don't know this stuff, then there's probably other people that don't know this stuff as well. So that's why I started creating tutorials and, and sharing as I was learning, which was super fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lovely, lovely. Yeah, it's so, so true. I think there's a lot of in the production world kind of, especially when you're starting out, there's a lot of assumed knowledge, which I think is sometimes just good to break down because uh, everyone assumes, everyone knows it, but then a lot of people might not. So uh, that's really Absolutely. nice uh, that, that you do that. So I think as you say, Zylo, there are no stupid questions. And I think that's really important for folks starting out that they are able to ask those questions and just learn from from asking and, and uh, finding out from other folks. And and that's what, what I definitely started doing uh, when, when, I, uh, when I started getting back into recording. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that. So on that, I'd love to hear a bit more about your journey into production and kind of where things started in the music world for you. Yeah. So it was an interesting one because I think my story is pretty typical of a lot of folks. And I think it's why I wanted to start sharing this information is that, uh, you know, it, being a teenager, playing guitar and playing in bands and, and singing and, and doing those sort of things. And then uh, we, you know, wanting the, the rock star dreams that we all tend to have uh, back in the day or a musician or performing dreams. And then, Uh, life gets in the way. So then it's jobs and mortgages and families and things and uh, music gets kind of put on the back burner for a lot of us. So it wasn't until I was in my mid 30s that I thought that's actually kind of ridiculous that I'm not recording music and, and producing music. So got back into it. And that's where I got into the world and and I know we've talked about this before that it can be very complicated, it can be very daunting because there's so many options. It's almost mm. sort of option overwhelm. So when I started recording, you know, got into it, had a had a PC, started trying different DAWs 
And then I just, nothing clicked with me. And it wasn't until I went, hang on, I got this iPad and this iPhone. They've got this thing called GarageBand. Why don't I just try that? Why don't we break it down to the simplest possible way and record with an easy setup? Yeah. And that's kind of what I did. And the last sort of five years, that's what I've been embracing is just uh, recording. Uh, cre- and my, my mantra is create, record, release. So I've been trying to live by that. And then I've been encouraging other people to do the same thing, to create music, to record it and learn how to get the best quality recording and then to be able to release it or to share it with the world because I think sharing music is an important part of the whole creation and, and the whole artistic process when you're when you're making music. Mm, of course, of course. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And yeah, and like you said, you know, kind of starting with whatever felt simple or approachable to you, I think is so important because so many people get really overwhelmed by using the most expensive gear and this and that when sometimes when you're starting out, that's not the best option because it can be just overwhelming and counterproductive sometimes to learning. Absolutely. Yeah. The amount of people I've seen that have got into it and they go out and they buy all the gear because they go to the music store and they get told to buy, you've got to have the interface, you've got to have the monitor speakers, you've got to have the headphones, you've got to have the condenser mic and then they get it all home and they don't have a clue what to do with it. And that's why I say, you know what, you've yeah. got you've got a, a multi-track digital audio workstation in your pocket right now in, the, the, in your smartphone. Why don't you just start with that? And then you can build up as you go, like learn, learn the tools, learn how to create music and then you can expand over yeah. time and, and that, I think that works so much better because otherwise you can get into this uh, overwhelm where you've got more gear but you don't know how to use it and then you get frustrated <laughs> and then you stop and we don't want people to stop creating music. Exactly, exactly. So true, so true. So yeah, of course today we are talking about mobile recording using your Apple devices basically and this is something I literally know nothing about. I didn't even know there was GarageBand on iPhone so this is news <laughs> to me. So So I'm very interested to hear your thoughts on this. And like firstly, talking about recording on these devices, like what exactly would you be recording? Are you talking like field recording, vocal recording or literally recording anything? What are we talking about? Yes, it's probably the thing that surprises people the most uh, is that it's everything. So all of my recording for all of my instruments, so guitars, vocals, uh, any sounds that I've actually got recording, MIDI keyboards, samples, loops, whatever you want to actually record, you can do on your iPhone or your iPad and anything you can connect to a Mac or a PC, you can pretty much connect to your iPhone or your iPad as well. So that kind of blows people away that my studio, (laughs) I've got, you know, my my two channel interface that a lot of us use. I use a little Steinberg interface and I've got two channels there. I plug in my condenser mic into channel one, my acoustic guitar goes into channel two, and then I can just hit record and go. Um, Or I can plug in a MIDI keyboard and then I can load up virtual instruments and I can load up uh, even third party plugins that you can use on your iPhone or iPad. So everything is almost the same, slight differences. But uh, yeah, if you can do it on a Mac or a PC, you can probably do it on your iPhone or iPad. And it's not just GarageBand, there's a bunch of other different, like on the PC or Mac, there's a bunch of other DAWs. And depending whether you're an electronic producer, more acoustic music, more uh, more live instruments, there's going to be a platform for your mobile device that is going to help you record. Amazing. That's, yeah, incredible. I had no idea. (laughs) Wow. Interesting. So what made you kind of approach recording with mobile devices so heavily? Was it, I know you talked a little bit about that's what you felt comfortable with, but was it also like a cost saving or what were the main reasons? 
For me, it was all about simplifying the process. So as I mentioned, when I got back into recording, uh, I used a DAW that I still use called Reaper on my PC, which is a really cool DAW, and it can do everything. But the learning curve is pretty darn steep. So when you start using Reaper, you need to learn how to arm tracks, and then you need to learn how to route tracks into the right things, and your inputs and your outputs, and then MIDI settings, what MIDI channel you're using. It's not exactly intuitive. And I was getting frustrated because I just wanted to make music. I didn't want to have to get a a technical degree in the software I'm using to just make music. (laughs) So that's where I thought there's got to be an easier way. I I used to love my old four track recorder where you'd just plug something in and you'd hit record and then you plug in a second thing, play back the first one and hit record. And I'm like, there's got to be something like that. And that's when I thought, hey, what's this GarageBand icon on my phone? Uh, I'm going to play around with that. And it was exactly that. It was as simple as you hit a button. It says, I want to record a guitar. So you tap the guitar button, you plug in your guitar and you record. I want to record some vocals. You tap the vocal icon. It brings up some vocal presets, which of course you can tweak and change and add things to. But when you're starting out, I think that's so important because as you, you know, and as other people know from producing music, when you start out, you don't really know what you're doing and you don't know how to set things up and something that can give you that uh, sort of hand-holding experience to start with, but then get out of your way and help you create, I think is really powerful. And and, uh, there's other apps that do similar sorts of things, but I think GarageBand just has nailed it, whether it's on a Mac or a mobile device in terms of that simplicity. So Mm. that's probably the main reason. The, I mean, it's not really any cheaper. So people say, oh, you know, do you use it because it's cheaper? And really, if you get an iPad versus a, a PC or a Mac these days, it's around about the same cost and, and plugging in the same gear. So mm. it's probably not cheaper, but the, the benefit is that the iPad or the iPhone you have is probably, well, for some folks, it's more powerful than the laptop you have these days. And uh, so it, it's going to be able to record for you. And if you already have it, it kind of gives you a head start. So for people that, uh, that watch my videos and that interact with me, they're getting started and they're just starting out using just their device and then they might go up to a USB microphone to start with and then they might graduate to an audio interface and then start kitting out with monitor speakers, headphones, Mm. audio interfaces, all the rest of it. So again, similar to any music production journey, you can build it up as you go. So to, to answer the original question, yeah, it's really just about that simplification of things and the fact that I don't need to think. I can just grab my device, hit record and we're away. I'm all about simplicity. So that's, yeah, that's definitely a big appeal. And you're right in the sense that you always have your mobile device and that's a way also to to kind of maybe get things down uh, when when you might not be able to yeah, have access to all, all the rest of your gear as well. Absolutely. And I think that's a good point that you made there because some people might say, Pete, I've, I already use my Mac or my PC. I don't want to swap to my iPhone or iPad. You can do both. Like That's the beautiful part of this is that you can use it when you get those moments, yeah, yeah, those yeah. five or 10 minutes, you're on the bus, you're out for a walk and you get an idea. You've got your device with you. You can get it down and then you can come back to your studio and transfer it over to whatever other application you're using. So super flexible uh, when it comes to that. Amazing, amazing. So you said, you know, you you might start just with recording on your mobile device and then maybe go to the interface and, and move up that way year-wise. Do you know actually what kind of microphone is in your audio devices? I'm, I'm quite curious. 
Yeah, so it depends and they've improved these over time. So the original mic or the original iPhone and iPads were not fabulous. They were just a sort of a single uh, and they do use sort of a condenser technology because they're, they're designed for voice. So they're designed for phone calls and for doing Zoom chats and, and live chats and that sort of thing. So they're not exactly a studio quality microphone, although uh, Apple have in their latest iPad Pros have what they call studio quality microphones and their definition of studio quality is potentially not what we would call a studio quality. <laughs> But yeah. uh, it is pretty amazing that you've got these and, and they're stereo. So you've got stereo microphones. They're two tiny little microphones that just sit either side of your iPad Pro, but they give an actually a pretty darn good sound. I'm actually, wow. I was impressed. I was sceptical when I upgraded my iPad to the new one that it wouldn't sound very good. It actually sounds pretty cool. So uh-huh. yeah, it's, it's not, uh, you can definitely start out with it. And uh, even if you've got an older iPhone or iPad, the microphone in that is going to be good enough to, to start with and to capture ideas if you're recording demos. And I know people that have recorded entire songs just using the built-in microphone and a pair of headphones. So it really does remove that barrier to entry and compared to the mics that you get on your laptops, as you've probably tried or you've probably had people that recorded on a laptop <laughs> oh gosh, mic, yeah. it just sounds awful. There's no way to get it to sound good. But well, in my experience, maybe there is, maybe someone knows tricks, but yeah, the, the iPhone and the iPad mics are actually improving and uh, because so many people use them, they're so ubiquitous now, they're actually pretty decent quality and yeah, little, very, very tiny condenser microphones. <laughs> right. Fascinating. Cool. So say you've kind of, you know, mastered a recording on the mobile device and you're like, right, I want to go to the next thing and I want to get an interface and plug that in. How would you go about doing that? it's easier than you think. It's super simple. All you need to do is convert. So as you know, if you've got a Mac or a PC and as as folks listening would know, you've got USB ports and most audio gear these days is USB, uh, USB USB-A generally. USB-C, a lot more gear is moving towards, which is just a newer, faster version of USB. So if you've got USB devices, MIDI keyboards, audio interfaces, microphones, and you want to convert those and uh, plug them into your iPad or iPhone, you just need an adapter to convert the USB-C signal into either a lightning signal. So if you're using an iPhone or an iPad, an older one, it's got a lightning port. So you need a USB to lightning adapter. It's actually called the USB to lightning camera kit because early on it was just for cameras and it was designed so you could plug your digital camera in and you could transfer your photos and your videos to your iPhone or iPad. But very early on, some very inquisitive musicians worked out that, hey, we can actually use this to plug in all of our audio gear because it just creates a USB host and you can plug any USB gear in and it will work out of the box. So yeah. that was a pretty good discovery. The The only thing to keep in mind is that once you have connected it, it does need to be what's called a class compliant device. Luckily, almost all new audio interfaces, microphones, MIDI keyboards are class compliant and class compliant simply means it runs without the use of drivers. So if you have some more higher end gear that needs its own driver to run on a Mac or PC, that won't be able to be run. But manufacturers are actually pretty smart now and they're actually, even the higher end gear, they're putting a driverless mode in there. So most of them have a CC switch or a driverless switch, which means that if you're using it with a, an iPad or iPhone, you can flick that switch and then it will work with that. Or if you want some of the more advanced features, you can plug it into your Mac or PC, install the driver and then get the, the benefit of that. So that's for most of your devices. Newer iPads have USB-C connect so that makes it even easier. You can connect up your USB-C gear straight away or what I use and what a lot of folks use mobile recording is a a powered USB hub. 
So that that's actually the key sort of bit of backbone of your home studio if you use an iPad or iPhone because then you can plug in your MIDI keyboard, your interface, your mouse and keyboard because you can use a mouse and keyboard on your iPad as well, believe it or not. That kind of blows people <laughs> away as well. So you can use your mouse and your keyboard, have all that plugged in, even your USB flash drives or your hard drives for backup and storage. And you can have all of that plugged in at once and all powered and all ready to go. And the, the beautiful part is you have your iPad sitting there. You've got it all plugged in through that one plug. You unplug it. You walk out the door. You've still got all of your files and all your, your stuff there that you can mix on the go. You come back. You plug it all back in. You want to record some more tracks. You plug your mic in and you're away again. Wow. Yeah, that's definitely easier than I thought. <laughs> <laughs> oh, interesting. Interesting. Okay. And say you've, you know, made a bunch of recordings that you really like on your mobile device and then you kind of want to transfer it to to your laptop to work on it further on your DAW. How would you go about doing that? So the, the benefit here is that, especially if you're within the Apple universe, is if you're using a Mac with GarageBand or Logic, you can, it's all compatible. So you can grab your iPhone or iPad iOS GarageBand project and simply transfer it. You can airdrop it, use iCloud storage, all of the good things that we use on, on Mac and just transfer it straight across, open it up on your Mac and then continue creating. So a lot of folks actually do that. So there's a lot of producers that are producing in Logic, for instance, but they'll start their tracking GarageBand on their phone. So they'll start, they'll grab some synth sounds, some loops, some samples, they'll get record their voice, they'll record guitars, whatever they're recording, and they'll get that all down. Maybe they've got 16 tracks on their iPhone, then they'll just grab that project and then they'll send it straight over to their Mac, pick it up in GarageBand or Logic, and then just continue producing. The one drawback is you can only go one way. So once you're in the Mac universe, mm. you can't go back to iOS, unfortunately. Uh, that would be great if we could. The word on the street is that uh, there's new Macs coming out at the end of this year in 2020. Uh, which are based on their own silicon chip, which is actually the same one used in the iPad. So what we're going to see in the next 12 months is a pretty exciting thing where we're going to have cross-functional apps that are going to work on your Mac and also on your iOS device. So the word is that Logic Pro will definitely be coming to the iPad in the near future, which means that it's going to make it super simple for producers because your same project file will be able to be used ubiquitously across both devices. The other option that you have now that I use because I use Reaper on my PC and GarageBand mm. is to simply export stems. So for, for those that don't know, that's just exporting individual tracks and then bringing those tracks into another piece of software and then continuing the process. So if I ever want to mix something outside of the iPhone or iPad, all I need to do is go in there, export out all of the individual tracks as WAV files, bring them into my other project in my other platform and then continue producing. And that's what you do as well if you wanted to collaborate with other people that perhaps weren't using the same platform, you can go ahead and do something like that as well. Right. Okay, cool. That's good to know. And like you said, really easy to do. I mean, I guess, especially if you're using Logic or GarageBand, which is awesome. So that's good. You know, we're talking about recording in mobile devices and why you might spring for that. So what would you say are the main benefits? And I know you have covered some of them of why you would record using a mobile device. Yeah. So I think the main benefit for me, as we've talked about, is the the flexibility, the simplicity, but also the portability. So for, for me, and I know in, in 2020, it's a little bit more challenging, but when you're on the go <laughs> and you're moving around and you're going to different places, being able to have your mix with you is actually awesome. Um, so for producers, if you're producing music, you're out listening 
listening to your mix. So like say a lot of people will bounce their mix down to their phone and then take it out, listen to it. You might make some notes and then come back to the studio and change it. But how much more convenient is it if you've got your mix on your phone while you're mm. there? So you can make that tweak. You can change your compressor. You can add reverb. You can do all the things you would do in your studio on your phone while you're out walking around or sitting on the bus. Like that to me is the coolest part. You can use those little pockets of time. And I think for what part-time producers, mm. that's a really important thing for getting that balance between your life and your music is you don't often have the time to sit down in the studio for an hour and crack out with some music, but you've probably got 10 minutes while you're waiting to pick up your kids from school. So why not grab your iPhone and, uh, and produce music while you're doing that? So that's that's the main reason for me. And because a lot, what a lot of people say to that is, oh, I would never do that because the quality is going to be so much worse. The thing is we're in a digital environment now where the quality is the same. So it is ones and zeros. So we're all recording, well, most of us, very few of us are loading up a tape machine these days. Most mm. of us are recording in digital environments and ones and zeros don't care if you're recording them to an iPhone, an iPad, a Mac or a PC, it's all the same. And it comes down to what you're actually using to put into that. It's all generally, you know, the sample rate is 44.1 kilohertz for most people that produce music and the bit rate is 24 bit. You get that same exact quality on your iPhone or iPad as you do on your Mac or your PC. So for me, it's, it's all about that simplicity, portability, flexibility, and the fact that there's no drop in quality. I'm not sacrificing the quality to have all of that convenience. Mm, mm, amazing. Amazing. Okay, cool. Cool. And kind of the flip side to that, what would you say are, you know, the most challenging things of recording music that way? Yeah. To be honest, the biggest hurdle and the biggest challenge that people have, because I'm, I'm used to it now, I've been doing it for five years, so I'm used to it. But the biggest challenge most people have is the perception and getting over that hurdle that they're somehow doing something the mm. wrong way or mm. or a way that is not accepted. And, and I still spend, you know, most days, there won't be a day that goes past that I don't get a comment from someone saying, why don't you get a real DAW? Why don't you get a real computer? Why don't you get a real, real recording setup? And I'd say, uh, I have that as well. I just choose not to use it. Yeah. So it is interesting that that's probably, that the perception thing is, is hard and it is hard for some people to get past because there is, there's this perception that if you produce something in Pro Tools, it's Pro. If you produce something in GarageBand, it's amateur and that can be hard to get past. That's not really a limitation, but that mental block that some people have that, hey, I, I don't want to say that I'm using GarageBand to produce music, that can actually be hard to get past. The The practical side of things, uh, I mean, these these devices are getting more and more expensive, to be honest. So to get, uh, you know, a new, here in Australia, the new iPhone just got announced and I think if you spec one out to the, to the maximum, it's going to be like $2,300 or something. <laughs> that being said, you, you can absolutely get get away with, you know, secondhand, you know, three, $400 iPad is going to be absolutely fine for most people's music production needs. So cost does come into it. And I think the, the, I did mention you can use a mouse and a keyboard now, which is improving this, but obviously your screen size is going to be smaller on, especially your iPhone and uh, your iPad as well. And if you've got big sausage fingers like me, sometimes you're going to make those little intricate changes and those tiny little tweaks to your EQ and suddenly you've got a, a 12 dB boost <laughs> instead of one. So those sort of things can be a little bit challenging just getting used to but again once you once you've done it for a while and you get into any like any workflow uh, anything you use if you use it for long enough and it works for your workflow then that's great and th the final thing I'll say with that is 
a lot of people say, oh, why would you want me to do this? I use this other system and this works better for me. And my answer to that is always more power to you. Like yeah. I, want, I want people to use whatever workflow works for them to create their best music. I'm giving you an option here, which is, hey, if you want a simple way, if you're getting frustrated with the challenges that you're having recording or how complex it is or the software is not working for your workflow, maybe try GarageBand, maybe try Aurea Pro or Cubases on your mobile device. If you like it, great. You may have discovered something new and cool. If it doesn't work for your workflow, no harm, no foul. You can go back and and, as you were. So yeah, I really think it all just comes down to that. The software should just get out of the way of your creating and give you the best workflow for creating your best music. Yeah, no, that's such a good point. It's funny that you mentioned that, that you get comments like that every day. And to be honest, I'm, I'm not surprised. And it's funny that I think from kind of speaking to incredible producers and engineers on this podcast and kind of outside of that, what I've found usually is that the people that really, really know what they're doing are just so open to whatever. They're like, you know, if you're making music, whatever way you're producing that, if it sounds good, if you like it, if people like it, then you're producing or, or you're engineering or whatever it is. And it, it doesn't really matter all the kind of background tools that you're using to get to that place. But I think it's people that are maybe a little less secure that kind of feel really um, intimidated by uh, all this kind of people using, uh, I don't know, cheaper gear or whatever it is that you want to call or, or not cheaper in, in, in this sense, you know. So it, it's funny yeah. that, yeah. It, it is and it's it's interesting because I see the same sort of thing. We, we saw the same thing about 10 years ago with the, with the home studio recording in general. Like if you go back 10 years, home recording was looked down upon pretty significantly by people recording in, let's say, real studios. I don't use the word real studios anymore because yeah. every studio is a real studio. You're producing music. But those that are in, the, in professional studios uh, or dedicated studios versus home studios, there was a big gap. And what we've seen is that the home studio, the quality of what you can produce in your home studio studio has continued to increase and that gap has narrowed. The same thing happened in photography. Uh, photographers that could take really good photos versus you taking a, you know, a snap on your, your, your little handheld camera, that was a massive difference. As camera technology increased and everyone has a DSLR in their, in their kit now, people are taking photos that are right up there with, with quality of what professionals are producing. And I think anytime you have that, it's great because it's lowering the barrier of entry. It's giving people the ability to do more things for themselves, but it's always going to anything that questions or that that, uh, that challenges the status quo of what we've been doing mm. before is mm. going to be a challenge. I, I agree with you. The best producers, the people I've been speaking to, the, the absolute pros that know what they're doing are the ones that are keeping up with technology. They're embracing it. They're finding new ways to diversify what they do and they're actually all for it. They're 100% supportive because they realise that the more people that create the the more music, the bigger the industry is, and then the more opportunity there is for people. It's just not the same opportunity. Gone are the days where if you've got a song in you, you have to save up $2,000 and then go find a studio and record for four hours and then get pay a mixing engineer to mix it, then pay a mastering engineer and then pay a production team and a, and a distributor. You can do all of that for virtually nothing now like you have the power to do all of that yourself and that that's gonna that that is going to upset the model and that may upset some people but again the ones that are doing it well the producers that I look up to are the ones that say hey bring it on bring on the technology more the merrier like it's 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 bound it's plentiful it's abundant there's plenty of opportunity for everyone going around if uh, you've got the opportunity and if you want to create music just go and do it yeah 
Yeah, no, definitely. I love that. And and I'm all for that, <laughs> for sure, for sure. And kind of last question on this is uh, what would you – or is there anything really that you uh, – can do in uh, in a DAW that or on your laptop that you might not be able to do on a mobile device or vice versa. Yeah, so th- there is very little that you can't do <laughs> on a mobile device. As I said, it's uh, it really just comes down to the functionality. So because you can plug in your audio interface, your MIDI controllers, your microphones, you can do all the things you can do with them. Some of the software may have limitations. So GarageBand on iOS has a few limitations compared to GarageBand on Mac around some of the things you can do just because it's, it's slightly cut down. Yeah. But other full recording applications you have on your iPhone or iPad do all of the same sort of things that you have there. So there really isn't anything that is is not possible to do on your iPhone or iPad that you can do. Um, so yeah, I mean, because people say to me, oh, but but how do you do, like, you, surely you can't do automation. I'm like, yeah, you can automate, you can do that. You can record multiple tracks at the same time. You can do mini, MIDI in and out. You can do time stretching. You can do all of the things you can do. It all comes down to the software. So I think because everything is so based on the software, and again, they're just two devices that have a chip in them, that have some memory, that have a screen, Everything else is just ones and zeros. It's just whatever you plug in and whatever you do with them and whatever software you have to do it. So, yeah, there really isn't any major limitation that I've come across yeah. that you can't do. I guess it uh, comes down to if you want you know, if you want a big control surface, so if you want a 16-channel control surface and you want two giant you know, 30-inch monitors because that's your workflow and that's the way you work, yeah, that may not work with you for a, for a mobile device as easily. You may need to go for a desktop version. Mm. But for most of us, we're producing on our laptop anyway and an iPad is not that much different to a laptop in terms of how you use it. Yeah no good point good point definitely definitely. So I kind of wanted to talk to you a little bit about work ethic because I think this is so important to do anything in music or really to succeed in anything. I really really believe that and some people don't really see how much work goes behind whatever it is that that you've kind of created or what you've achieved and you know your your YouTube channel is doing very well and and you know you've got well that's kind of the main uh, thing that you do now and and you mentioned you know you make a video every day which for me oh my gosh that's amazing <laughs> and just so incredible but it it you know it it requires effort so do you have any advice on how to kind of get into a routine or or kind of build consistency. Yeah, it, it's something that's taken a long time for me to get to. So there's a few things that I'll mention here. And one is that uh, I think we often get daunted by what to do and sort of choice overload. And I mentioned it with my recording that using a DAW and using something like Reaper, I had too many options and too many things to do. And I ended up getting overwhelmed to the point where I would I'd go to start recording something and I'd go to start on a project and I'd be like, oh, I've got to record all this and then I've got to do this and I've got to mix and I've got to master it and I'd just go and play video games instead. So that that sort of didn't work for me. And what I worked out is that I need I need simpler processes and I need a way to actually chunk it down. So that's probably the first bit of advice is just do do something. So rather than go, I need to do everything here when it comes to producing music or producing videos, say, this is what I'm going to do. And that can actually really help. So for me, for, for music production, it's can I write eight bars of, of a song today? Can I just, can I write an intro? Can I write two verses of, of this song? Can I write this one hook? If I come away with a chord progression, that's good. And I think for those of us balancing a bunch of things, 
things in life, that's the sort of thing that's going to help you out. The other thing is where to start. People say, Pete, I don't know where to start. And I think my philosophy, what I'd say to them is when you don't know where to start, just start, just just go, just hit record (laughs) and do something. Because it's better than nothing, right? And, and you've probably done this. Some of, some of the best things you come up with are when you're not really trying to. You just it's you're just sitting there and you're noodling around and you're like, hey, actually that that little bit that little ditty I just made sounds kind of cool. And then you record it and then you put it there and then you come back and and you you do it later. In terms of like the time management, that that is a really tough one. And and finding the time and again to balance out the work life balance that you need and again to create music is the same sort of thing. It's about one finding the pockets of time. So finding the little windows of time that are going to work for you and finding a way to do something music related. That's why I love mobile. I've always got my smartphone with me. And instead of scrolling through Instagram and scrolling through Facebook, I've switched that up with scrolling through GarageBand, finding cool sounds. So if you're just changing some of those habits, and and I mentioned video games before, when I started on the channel, I thought I watch about an hour to two hours of TV slash playing video games every day. What if I just grab that and replace that with creating a video every day instead? And would that make me feel better? And guess what? It does and it works. (laughs) And the more you do it, then the better it is because you actually get better. And and this is why my philosophy and my mantra is create, record, release. Because the same thing that's happened with my music, it's now easier for me to make a song because I've recorded and released more than 30 of them. When I was doing my first song, it took me about a month just to get the whole process done. Now I could do the whole process in a week or sometimes even a day, depending on what I'm doing. And the same with video production. Now that I know how to, to do what I do on the channel, I've got my idea, I sit down, I record it. And then I edit it on my iPhone, by the way. I do all my video editing on my iPhone and iPad too. So yeah, I edit it and then I release it and then I do the the follow-up and the marketing side of it after that. So yeah, it just comes down to, to I guess, practicing and continuing to do the things. And, uh, and the final thing I'll say on that is start with the end in mind. So what do you actually want to achieve? What do you actually want to do? And, and this is an important thing because a lot of people say, I want to make music. And it's like, do you want to make music for you? Do you want to make music to share with other people? Do you want to be famous? Do you want to make money from music? All of these things are completely legitimate, but a lot of people go into it without actually having a clear idea and that's where they get into trouble because they think there's one path. You write a demo, you send it to a big production company. They say, yeah, kid, you got a real chance and they give you a big lots of wads of cartoon cash and then you go off and live the dream life of being a musician. As we know, that's not really how it works these days. So having that visibility of what you're actually aiming for uh, early on, I think can really help and and give you that direction uh, that will help you with your music creation. Oh, so much good advice there, Pete. And I, yeah, completely agree with all of that. And yeah, I think it's really important, like you said, to have the end goal in mind. So I always feel like it's kind of like climbing a mountain, you know, you want to see the peak that you want to reach, but then your steps are just the next one step at a time. It's just like breaking things down because when you look at the whole thing as one, like you need to do that in one step, then you just give up and you're like, well, I can't do this. I'm just going to do something else. (laughs) So yeah. Absolutely. And I think that, I think the flip side of that too, which is contrary advice is also, it's okay if you don't know what you want to do and it's okay if you don't know what the end is, you can still start. 
So I, I kind of give two contradictory bits of advice there, which is have goals and set goals and work towards goals. But if you're like, hey, I don't actually know. Like, I just want to start playing music because music is cool. Then just start recording music because music is cool. That That's fine too. You can in some ways work it out as you go along. Don't yeah. don't let the fact that you don't know. I still don't want know what I want to be when I grow up and I'm 42. So yeah, don't <laughs> worry about if you don't know what the end result is. But um, yeah, work, work towards something and, and have something. And again, with music, I think finishing songs is so important. I think I've, I've listened to one of the a podcasts that you did recently and you were talking about having some of that sort of positive time pressure, like actually having me saying, I'm going to have this done by this date and then setting a date and then finishing it. Because I think a lot of us, and I was guilty of this, very, very guilty, we're really good at starting songs, we're really good at recording and having that fun bit in the middle, it's the finishing of songs that can be really challenging. And my my view there is it's only when you finish and share and get feedback that you can actually improve on your next song. So if you've just done 10 half songs and never shared them with anyone, you may be doing the same little yeah. thing wrong in all of those 10 songs that with one little tweak you could improve. So you won't know that because you've got blind spots and you've got the blinkers on, you just go going, hey, I'm just producing. If you start sharing, you'll get a lot of feedback that's really going to help you and then it's going to improve. And every time you produce something, you'll learn something new. I promise you, you'll learn something that you didn't know before that you can implement in a future song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, love that. Love that. Oh, that's been, yeah, so good, Pete. And just got, yeah, lots of knowledge on mobile recording, but also all all this other kind of soft, skilly stuff, which which I love talking (laughs) about. So which is great, which is great. So we have a couple of uh, questions from our audience to finish up. So we have the first question from Lisa Garcia. So Lisa asked, how do you import your own audio loops into your device that you're working with? So importing your own, yeah, so your own audio loops, your, your own uh, your own audio files, it's actually pretty simple. It's, it's pretty much the same way that you would do it with, uh, with a Mac or a PC. So you can, if you've got it as a file, you mm-hmm. can just connect up a flash drive and do it that way. Uh, you can email it to yourself. You can use Dropbox, Google Drive, all the different methods. The actual practical way of bringing it in, again, is very similar. You've got a file browser on your mobile device, on your iPhone or your iPad, you pop the file where you want it, you download it from Dropbox, Google Drive, wherever you put it, and then you drag and drop it straight into your project. And uh, it is actually a really good way to do things if you've got if you've got your own loops that you've created. And I think you mentioned early on, like we didn't really touch on it, but field recording is something that's really cool with the iPhone. So you can use the built-in mic or you can use something else. And if you want to get some ambient sounds, like I, I made a song once that was called For the Birds and I was all day I was walking around, it looked like a, a bird watcher. I was walking around all, the, all day trying to find cool birds that I could sample and then put into my track. So yeah, it it makes it really simple. You either record it directly on your device and then it's right there, bring it in your project. Or yeah, if you've got a sample from somewhere else, say you're using your Mac or your PC or you've recorded it elsewhere, just save it as a WAV file, pop it in the files there, bring it straight in. It's it's a really simple process to do. Mm. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. So we have another question, which you did touch on a bit uh, already, but from Anna Lee. So Anna asks, is there a process for transferring the audio to different DAWs or is it the same across DAWs or is it quite specific? Because I think she was having some glitching issues coming into Ableton from the mobile device. 
Yeah, so it's an important thing to, to talk about and it's probably less about mobile and specifically about that and about just overall audio. But yeah, one of the things to be really aware of and careful of is the, the bit rate and the sample rate. So to get a little bit nerdy and into the weeds here, but different devices will use different bit rates and sample rates and especially the sample rate, If especially if you're getting those glitching and those pops and clicks that you get in your audio sometimes, yeah. quite often it's to do with, and it's usually that video is at 48 kilohertz and that audio is generally at 44.1 kilohertz, but some software kind of uses different ones. So if, you, if you're finding that, you're bringing something in, it may be that you've got a project set at 44.1 or 48, and then the audio file you're bringing in is different. So the, the biggest tip there is that everything in my world is 24-bit 44.1, simply because that's what GarageBand uses by default. And everything for me kind of comes back to GarageBand yeah. on my iPad or iPhone. So if I'm recording something or if I'm setting up a project elsewhere, I just need to be aware that that's the same. And then as we talked about before, it's just a matter of exporting either the whole project if you're using something like um, something like GarageBand or Logic, or if you did want to say bring some tracks into Ableton, then it's just about exporting those, making sure they're a WAV file and that they're at the same bit rate and the same sample rate as the project that you've got set up at the other end. Yeah, cool. Awesome. I think that answers the question very well. So yeah, so that wraps up this episode, Pete. And yeah, I know I've I've learnt a lot that I didn't know you could do. So <laughs> I'm sure our audience would have as well. So thank you so much for being with us today. And what else have you got on for your day? Today uh, is actually a quiet one. I have a, I have a, a, a bit of a day off today, so I'll probably go and uh, have some breakfast. It's oh. early here. Have a coffee because I've only uh, I've only had one. Uh, I'm usually a three or four <laughs> coffee day person. So yeah, it'll be it'll be breakfast and coffee, and then uh, yeah, back to producing. I've still got to, today's video to do, so oh. it's a it's a rinse and repeat and uh, and get today's video uh, video done. So looking at guitar EQ today, so that's a, a fun topic. So I'll be be uh, editing and, and releasing that video today. So that's me. Good work. Good work. That sounds great. Yeah, look at look after yourself. Uh, that, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people say, oh, yeah, we'll help out other people. And I know you do a lot of work with MPW and a lot of other people listening are helping other people. But it's like the old aeroplane thing. Uh, fit the mask to yourself before you help others because if you're not breathing and if you're not comfortable <laughs> and happy, then you're not going to be able to help too many other people. Oh, I love that. It's so true. It's so true, Pete. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, thank you. And uh, I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. Bye-bye. Thank you. My pleasure. Cheers, darling.